I'm going to read from verses 19 to 26 this morning. Um, we saw last week, verses 19 and 20 tell us how we, how we cannot be justified. And then our verses before us today turn the corner and tell us how we can be justified before a holy God. Let's pick up in verse 19 as Paul uh, brings his summation of the previous section summing it up and then turning the corner to the gospel. Verse 19, this is God's Word. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law, comes the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Thus far God's Word. Let's pray together. Lord, give us ears to hear, hearts that love you, that desire your word, that grow in understanding of your word so that we might live more and more like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness. So cleanse us from our sin and fill us with your spirit and focus us on you through your word. Empower me and help me to preach it. Truly, accurately, may the Spirit take the Word and minister to each individual heart. Lord, bring to faith those who don't know You and grow in grace those who do. Help me, bless the preaching, help me to preach it in the power of the Spirit and help us to hear it, leaning hard on the Spirit, depending upon the Holy Spirit to give us understanding and insight that we might know Christ and love Christ and live for Christ. So bless us as we look into your word. We ask for it and we trust for it. In Jesus' holy name, amen. We all love getting gifts, don't we? At least most of us do. It's a rare person that doesn't enjoy a gift. I know some of the Christmas times and birthdays can be some of the uh, best memories we have and most anticipated times, especially for the kids, right? But as you get older, you, you really grow in appreciation of those gifts that demonstrate forethought, that demonstrate that a person knows you, that demonstrate that they have given some thought and, and given a gift that will uh, minister to you and bless you and be useful for you. So they know you 
And they've listened to you. And they've given a gift that matches your needs in some form. They didn't re-gift. See, today I want to talk to you about the very best gift ever. The highest gift. Some of you have received this gift. But others of you still need to have it. And it's the most important gift of all gifts we can ever discuss and we can ever receive. See, we've come to the end, and some of you might say, praise God, but it's been a growing experience for me, and I know some of you have testified it has been for you. But we've been in that section between chapter 1, verse 18, to chapter 3, verse 20, where Paul is, is showing the need for the gospel. He's establishing from Scripture the fact that all Gentiles fall short, sin and need a Savior, but also all Jews fall short and sin and need a Savior. He's dealt with their excuses. He's dealt with uh, misunderstandings to show that it, all things are summed up, that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. And as we saw last week, therefore nobody can be justified by keeping the law. We cannot in our own effort, in our own deeds, in our own striving, make ourselves right with God. So if we will hear God, we will know that we fall short, can't save ourselves, and need a Savior. And that's what Paul has established, bringing as his last witness from Scripture, bringing what God has said in His Word to show that all are sinful and that none can save themselves by keeping the law. You cannot earn your salvation. You are lost in and of yourself and need a Savior. Now go home and be encouraged. Aren't you thankful for these places in Scripture where it says, but? Here's the bad news, but. And like in Ephesians, here's how sinful and lost we are, hopeless condition, but God. But God. But there's good news. And I have good news for you today. Really good news. What we could not earn or really in and of ourselves ever hope to have God freely gives us in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we answer the question, and we'll continue talking about that. How can a sin sinner be made right with a holy God? It's not through self-effort. It's not through our law-keeping or efforts, but we get that question answered today. We'll have two points. We're going to look at, as we look at this today, you're going to see that this week and next week kind of go together to form a unit. Because this week we're focused more on what theologians call the active obedience of Christ. Right? His fulfilling all righteousness and what that means for us. And next week we're going to look more at what uh, would be called the passive obedience of Christ or His, his suffering for us, and we're going to talk about a big word next week too, propitiation. And you need to know what that is, and we're going to understand that uh, better as we look at it next week. But this week, we're looking more at um, the righteousness of God, what that means, and, and the free gift of that. So the main point here has two sort of focuses. Trust in Jesus alone because He is the righteousness of God, and He freely gives us the righteousness of God. So his life mattered. First, trust 
Jesus alone because He is the righteousness of God. Look back in verse 21, and I've already uh, sort of brought this out, but in verse 21 it says, But now, but now, trust me, you can't save yourself. You're in a lost condition. You need a Savior. There's no hope for you in and of yourself. But now, but God. He says, but now, transitioning his argument, the righteousness of God. What is that? There's a lot of talk about that. There's a lot of people that don't necessarily like the thought of imputation of righteousness that I think see this wrongly. There's discussion about it, but I think if you look at the text and you bring the other text into the picture, just like last week with the works of the law, I think it becomes clear what it is. But whatever it is, look, look, we'll just keep reading for a second. But the righteousness of God has been manifested. So whatever this righteousness is, it has been manifested. And we'll see it is received through faith, verse 22. And that it is, is the basis of our being justified as a gift, verse 24. But look, look, we do have more help in answering our question. What is the righteousness of God? Well, it's the righteousness that has been manifested. What does it mean to be manifested? It means to be made visible. This righteousness of God, whatever it is, has been seen. It's been clearly seen. It's been made manifest so that it was visible. Same word is used in 1 John 1, 1 to 3. As John begins that great little epistle, and I've encouraged you to read it, uh, look what he says. That which, ha that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning, this is the way he says it there, the word of life. The life was made manifest or was manifested. And we have seen it and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. John is saying internal life was made visible in the Lord Jesus Christ. They had seen Him, heard Him, touched Him, walked with Him. They were witnesses to Him, to His life, death, burial, and yes, resurrection. And calling people into fellowship. So if something is manifested, if, if it's uh, this Greek word used in these two places, it's made visible. So whatever this righteousness is, it is a righteousness that was seen. It was made visible. It's been manifested. And the next thing he says is apart from the law. It was manifested apart from the law. What does that mean? Apart from our striving to keep it. Apart from our efforts to fulfill the requirement or the standard on our own. Apart from our obedience to God's law. Apart from the obedience to the old covenant system in keeping the law. Remember in 19 and 20 we just reviewed it. That we cannot be saved by keeping God's law. We cannot look to the law as what will deliver us if we will just keep it good enough. 
It's not because the defects in the law. We'll see that as we go on in Romans. It's holy and righteous and good. It's spiritual. The problem is with us and our sin that keeps us from keeping it. So this righteousness is manifested. It's manifested not through us and our efforts to keep it, but it's testified to by the law. Look, this righteousness of God was witnessed to. It says, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it or testify to it. Just summing up law and prophets, another way of saying all of the Old Testament scriptures, they pointed forward, they testified, they pictured it, they prophesied it. They, there was types of it, all sorts of things that were going on in that Old Testament, in the law and the prophets that, that were pointing forward to this righteousness that would come and that would be established. So it's a righteousness that was manifest. It was a righteousness that was apart from our efforts and it's a righteousness that was witnessed to by the law and the prophets. Wouldn't you love to have been there? on the road to Emmaus as Jesus opened up all of the scriptures to those two disciples and showed them how the scriptures were all about Him. The Messiah, the coming one, the Savior. From Genesis 3.15, actually John takes it all back to Genesis 1.1 in the beginning. How it was all about Him and looking forward to this righteousness that would come. So whatever this righteousness is, it is a righteousness given through faith as we'll see. It's the basis of our justification. It's been seen, made visible, witnessed, and it was prophesied in all of the Old Testament. And just to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag, it's the perfect, spotless righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. He perfectly fulfilled all righteousness. Remember what he told John at his baptism. It is right for us to fulfill all righteousness. So he didn't just come to die. He didn't just come from heaven and on the cross. But he was born under the law at just the right time to redeem those under the law by keeping that law and establishing a perfect righteousness and then by dying to pay the sins of his people. But this righteousness of God that Paul is talking about is the perfect, spotless righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ who fulfilled all righteousness. He had no sin. God the Father, the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Never said about anybody else. He kept God's standard perfectly. His righteousness, He was perfectly righteous. And in this context, this is what we talk about when we talk about the righteousness of God. We were unrighteous. And in order to be made right with God, we had to be righteous. And we couldn't fix that situation. So He comes to establish a true Righteousness. Jeremiah 23, 6 says, In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. At, and this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. What a name. 
The Lord is our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 and 30, 30, 31. And because of Him you are in Christ Jesus. You want to know why you're trusting Christ if you're trusting Christ? Because of Him. Because He called you forth from spiritual death and He gave you repentance and faith, life and repentance and faith so that you would turn and trust Him. Because of Him you are in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. Who became to us wisdom from God. Now look, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If you will be righteous, if you will be made right with God, if you will be considered and accounted righteous, it will be because you have received a righteousness from outside of yourself that you did not have. It will come from the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw this verse recently, but I'll use it again. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake, praise God, those who are given to Christ. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin. In other words, He took our guilt. Why? So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So that our filthy rags could be removed and so we could be clothed in His righteousness. Declared righteous and accepted as children of the living God. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. Now look at verse 22. How can we be made righteous? How can we be the righteousness of God? How is that going to work? Look at verse 22. Trust Jesus alone because He freely gives as, as God. He, God gives the righteousness of God in the person of His Son, however you want to say that. Look at verse 22, the righteousness of God, he repeats it. The righteousness of God, this is the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Righteousness through faith. Righteous through faith in Jesus. First thing I want to point out is that it comes from one place. Notice what, it's, notice what the text says. The righteousness of God through faith in whatever you're sincere about. Through faith in whoever you believe in as long as you really believe it. Do the best and He'll do the rest. That kind of nonsense. Look at it. Listen, we have to be clear about this. The culture won't like it. Lost people don't like it. But you need to know this. Somebody needs to love you enough to tell you this. If you will be saved, if you will be reconciled to God, it will be through Jesus Christ or not at all. There's one name given under heaven by which we must be saved. See, the apostles preached that. The Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's your Savior speaking. Love you enough to tell you that. There are no other Saviors because there are no other righteous. There are none other who has kept God's law in thought, word, and deed. There's none other who has never sinned. Muhammad was a sinner. Could cost me my head someday. I'm good with that. To live as Christ, die as gain. Right? 
Name the pseudo-savior. The government. I won't go down that road. (laughs) Certainly not righteous. (laughs) Doesn't qualify. Any of the other myriads of gods. No, there's one righteous. There's one who has represented us. There's one who is God and man bringing the two together. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. All others are imposters. Idols, inventions of man are their own selves. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. See, this righteousness can only come to us through faith. It's through faith alone. And he says it's through faith in Jesus Christ or for all who believe. Now, here's the vital question. What does it mean to believe? What does it mean to believe? Is this kind of believing like believing this is blue? Or is there more to biblical believing than just simply mental assent? See, the devil knows this is blue. The devil knows Jesus lived and died and was buried and was raised the third day. He knows all the facts of the gospel. But, but I, in case you don't know this... The devil's not converted. He's not a Christian. He's not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reformers very helpfully laid out three elements of true and saving faith. Whenever you see faith, you can plug in believe. You can use these kind of words synonymously. To believe in Jesus is to have faith in Him. What does that mean? Well, they said this. Three elements. If you're going to have true biblical saving faith, you need, number one, knowledge of the facts of the gospel. That Christ came, who He is, what He did. He lived, He died, He was raised. He died for the sins of His people. You need to know that. But you're not saved yet. You may give mental assent to that. Like I said, the evil one knows that and believes it's true. He lies a lot. So knowing the facts of the gospel, knowing who Jesus is and believing those facts, you haven't stepped over the threshold yet. How many people do you try to witness to and they say, I believe in God. And on a rare occasion, I don't advise this method. You don't want to look at them and say, so does Satan. Um, But it is true. So what? Everybody believes in God. Romans 1, remember that? What do you believe about God? What is the content of that belief? And see if they even know the facts of the gospel. Because mere mental assent won't get us anywhere. And so much evangelism today stops there. Do you believe that Christ died for your sins? Do you believe that He's the Son of God? Parrot this prayer after me. You're in. That's why the church is full of problems. You might be new to Grace Church. No, we don't have an altar. You know why? There is no altar in the Christian church, right? We don't have a sinner's prayer. We don't lead you in a sinner's prayer. That started by Finney, not Jesus. If you don't know who Finney is, you can do some reading, right? We exhort you to trust in Jesus and to follow Him. We call upon you to do that. And there's many ways that a heart that has been converted expresses that to God and cries out for salvation. One, the thief, uh, not the thief, the tax collector, who many would have said he was a thief, probably was. 
God be merciful to me, a sinner. See, that counts. Because it's the heart responding to God. So the reformer said you need to know what the gospel is and you need to believe the gospel is true, but you hadn't made it yet. You need to trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. Not trust in anything you do or anybody else or anything else, but in Jesus Christ alone. Saving faith is entrusting oneself to God. It's casting yourself on Christ. It's resting in Christ. As Dr. Piper says, it's like coming home and you're wiped out. You ever come home and you're just so wiped out that you just leap into bed? You have leapt into bed, so leap onto Christ. Rest your soul on Jesus. So if you really have saving faith, you'll know, you'll know what the gospel is. You'll believe it's true. You'll repent and trust Christ. That's the vital step right there. So when it says believe, that's what it means. To trust in, adhere to, cling to, follow after, depend on the Lord Jesus Christ, not just mere mental assent. Through faith in Jesus Christ for all believe. Look at Galatians 2.16. We know that a person is not justified by the works of law. We've seen that, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law no one will be justified. And in Philippians, indeed, Paul, as a Pharisee, as a very religious and, and outwardly righteous person, as one who was counting on his heritage and his pedigree, he was circumcised the eighth day, a Jew of the Jews, even a Pharisee. Now watch what he says when he came to faith. Indeed, I count everything lost. All of what I might have been depending on to gain me favor with God, None of it matter. It's all lost. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Now watch this. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in, Jesus, in Christ. Now, comma, apposition. The righteousness from God that depends upon faith. So this righteousness of God that Paul's talking about is the righteousness that is given through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. A ceasing of depending on ourselves and a depending upon God in receiving the righteousness of Christ. Romans 10, 3 and 4, we'll get there, I'll just read it. For he's speaking of the Jews, the lost Jews, the ones who don't know the Lord. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God, see that term's coming up again, so we'll talk more about it, and seeking to establish their own, so that righteousness of God is opposite to what we seek to establish. They did not submit to God's righteousness, for the law is the, for Christ is the end of the law. Think culmination, goal, right there. Christ is the end, the telos, he is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone who believes. No distinction. Look, look what he says. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. There's not two gospels. There's not one gospel for the Jews and another for the Gentiles. The Jews are not automatically in and the Gentiles are the ones who need to hear it. Now, you've seen all that destroyed by what we've seen in, already in Romans. 
Now, this is a verse we all know that we pluck out of context. Be careful plucking verses out of context, okay? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what we have to adopt. What is the glory of God there? The God's glorious standard. We will be glorified someday, and by nature we'll keep it. Christ had to come keep it for us. Why? Because we fall short of the glorious standard of God. We fall short of establishing our own righteousness. We fall short of keeping His law in thought, word, and deed. We are sinners. All have sinned, Jew and Gentile, every one of each camp, and fall short of the glory of God. Now watch this. Look back at your verse. Look at your Bible. Here's the greatest gift. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift. You know what that word for gifts, in some of your translations you'll see freely, something like that. But the word behind that means without cost or freely or free to us. It is without cost to us because it was so costly to Him. For kids, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His Son to live for us, to die for us, to be raised, reign, and come again, right? He gave His Son to that cross to pay our penalty, to establish our righteousness with His life. He gave His Son, for God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him, trusts in Him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He gave His Son to justify us because we couldn't justify ourselves. And look at verse 24 again. It's a gift. It's a free gift. And really, that's kind of redundant, isn't it? Because it's, if it's a gift, it's free to you. Imagine this Christmas... I walk up to you and in celebration of God giving His glorious gift of His Son to me, I give a gift to you. And you reach in your pocket to pay for it. And what I'm probably going to do is take it back and then make you put your wallet up and then give it back to you. Because it's a gift. And what we don't believe and fight to believe that is that God would reconcile us to Himself as a gift. And not make us pay for it. We can't pay for it. We never could. Only Jesus could pay for it. And He did. And that's the greatest gift ever. Is to give us justification. And listen, you better understand salvation rightly. And you better understand that when salvation is being talked about in the Bible, it might be talking about justification. It might be talking about sanctification. It might be talking about glorification. It might be talking about you coming to faith. It might be coming, talking about you growing in grace. And it might be talking about that process being finished. So we're going to work on that. And the way we're going to work on that is we're going to memorize some terms. Because that's the only way to work on it. Put your pillow under your, under your pillow at night and all that kind of stuff. It won't soak into your head. Why would we use a big word like justification? Because God did. It's right there in His Word justified by His grace as a gift. So I'm going to ask you a question. We'll give you an answer, and I'm going to, I'm going to compel you to memorize this. 
because the health of your soul depends upon you understanding what God has revealed. Catechism question number 33, what is justification? Now watch the richness of this answer and then hide this in your heart along with the accompanying scriptures. Justification is an act of God's free grace wherein He pardons all our sins. How many? Some of them? It's all or nothing. Wherein He pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in His sight. Now watch, important words. Only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. You can memorize that. Do it a little section at a time. Write it on cards, stamp it on your forehead, put it behind your glasses, put it on your computer, however you have to do it. But start with grace. Justification is an act of God's free grace. He's at work. He's doing this. Wherein He pardons all our sins. You want forgiveness for every sin you've ever committed or will commit? It's only found in one place. But it is found there in Jesus. And accepts us as righteous in His sight. Why? Only for the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God we're talking about. Imputed to us. Not infused, imputed, credited to us. And received by faith alone. Christ's righteous life given to you through faith. You come to faith in Jesus by God's grace. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. And the Holy Spirit applies the gospel and effectually calls you. You repent and trust Christ and are united to Christ and are justified on the basis of Christ, declared righteous. Why? Because of His righteousness given to you. Your filthy rags have been taken off. You've been clothed in His righteousness so that God's not lying when He says righteous and adopts you into His family and begins sanctifying you. Praise God is right. The Lord, why was Jesus, what was Jesus' name? The Lord is salvation. Hebrew Yeshua, you know what that is? Joshua, that'll change the way you read some stuff. It's an act of God's free grace. Free grace where He pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in His sight only for the righteousness of Christ that is imputed to us by faith alone and even the faith as a gift of God. You're going to get there. You're memorizing Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Not because of works we do, right? It is a gift of God. What is? The entire grace by faith salvation. If you have it, it's because you've received a gift. Not because you've earned it. Look at this picture. And I brought this up before, so I'm, I'm just going to read it. But it is a good picture of, of what's going on here from... Uh, Joshua the high priest in Zechariah 3, 1 to 5. It says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, Hasn't this person done the best he could? He did his best, I'll do the rest, any of that kind of stuff? Look what the Lord says to Satan. The Lord rebuke you. O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Now watch. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Have you ever seen a stick that was in the fire and you took it out? It's not real clean. Sooty and yucky and burnt. 
Of course it is. Right? Of course he's dirty. But this is a brand plucked from the fire. Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. What does Isaiah say? All of our righteousness is filthy rags. All of our attempts to justify ourselves, pollution. Clothed in filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, watch this, remove the filthy garments from him. And then he said, now watch, it's going to be interpreted for us. Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. Let them put a clean turban on his head. And they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments, clean garments, white garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. His sin taken away. You know why? Because that filthy garment went on Christ. And Christ went on that cross. And Christ took the condemnation and paid the penalty. Because Christ had lived His life of righteousness, establishing the righteousness of God that would be given to us, and then took our guilt upon Him and paid that penalty. At the right time, in the right way, God brings the gospel into your purview such that the Spirit blesses that so that you come to life out of deadness and sin and turn and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and are cleansed. All God's work, all God's gift given to you, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Look back in Romans. We're going to talk a lot more about justification and a lot of that stuff as we go through the chapters. Paul continued to prove his case, right? We're justified by His grace. We are declared righteous by God as a gift because He gives us the righteousness of Christ through faith and the faith He gives us. And this is, we'll sort of hinge right here and a lot of this we'll wait, we'll wait till next week. The gift of His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. How could he do it? Because Christ paid our penalty. To be redeemed is to be purchased, purchased back. And Christ paid the purchase price, which was he laid down his life on that cross. He suffered the wrath due us. He didn't just physically die. He took hell upon himself for us. And he drank that cup dry. Jesus lived for our righteousness he purchased our gift. He died for our sins. It is paid in full. And we'll look at propitiation next week. But let's just, let's just think about this a minute. What do we learn from this text? What, do we, what can we take away? What are just a few highlight points of what we've seen? Number one, justification is a free gift to us because it was paid for by Christ. Being declared righteous, being reconciled to God, being saved, and we like to talk about it's a free gift because it was paid for by Christ. And just ask yourself, are you trusting in Him and Him alone? That work of God's free grace where He purifies and cleanses us from all sin and accepts us as righteous in His sight only for the righteousness of Christ, that righteousness credited to our account. Imagine the list of your sins before God is there. And that list of your sins goes on the cross with Christ. And it's obliterated. He pays for it. And in place of that list of sin and falling short, on your record now is Christ's perfect obedience given to you. 
so that you are truly righteous in Him. And then sanctification is us being made like what we already are positionally in Christ, growing in grace. But it's a free gift. It's not because we paid for it, but because Christ paid for it. Have you received Him as a free gift? See, it's receiving Him, really, and all that He is and all that He's done. Have you seen Christ as a free gift to you and received Him that way? Are you trying to pay for it? Number two, all people need this gift. We saw that long in our sermons on, on sin, from chapter 1, the second half, to chapter 3, the first half, and then summarized in verse 23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Look at that verse. Believe that verse. You cannot be accepted by God by your own performance. If it's like the Pharisee with the tax collector, didn't I, didn't I, didn't I, didn't I? Right? Or think about Matthew 7 that we memorized. Lord, didn't we do this and didn't we do that and didn't we do that? Depart from me, I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness. Everybody's lost coming into this world. Everybody needs a Savior. Number three, the gift of righteousness and justification is received by faith alone, not obedience. 3.20 and through this verse. It is a gift. What a gift. What a gift. Why would you want another Savior? Why would you want one like Muhammad that will put you through hell and never assure you of heaven? Why would you want to be your own? Why would you want any other Savior than Christ who would live for you and die for you and be raised for you and offer you reconciliation with God as a free gift so that you can truly live free and have heaven and the new heavens and the new earth to boot? It is received by faith alone. Talk about that just a minute. Faith is the instrument by which we receive God's gift of salvation. Think, think of your hands. If you have hands, now not all people do and some have lost them. But if you have hands and if I give you a gift, you won't hit it with your head or kick it or hopefully you'll reach out and take it. Your hands would be the instruments by which you receive the gift. Does that mean you earned it? Do your hands pay for it? No, no they, simply, they simply receive it. Faith is the hand of a beggar with nothing to offer. What about from the hymn? Nothing, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless. And on it goes. I cannot save myself. I deserve condemnation. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed by this gift and I receive it. And see, even what I've said earlier, even the hands to receive the gift, is that in itself is a gift of God. People are not walking around waiting to exercise faith that they have. They're walking around dead in sin and trespasses, suppressing the truth, wanting nothing to do with the true God or His true way. But when God is saving a person, Right? We're dead in sins and He brings the gospel and He grants us life. He grants that which He requires, repentance and faith. 
He grants the faith. He grants the hands to receive the gift. Imagine you hear a story, and this is from Dr. Piper too. I'm not, I didn't come up with this. But imagine that a man goes up to a beggar and says, if you will give me a dollar, I will give you $100,000. And the beggar says, leave me. Stop mocking me. You know I don't have a dollar. And the man says, I know you don't have a dollar. And gives him the dollar. God gave us the dollar. God gave us the hands. God gave us his son. And it's all a free gift. And if God's at work in you, he will give you faith. And through that faith, he will give you all that Christ is. And all that Christ has earned. The righteousness of God. The righteousness of Christ credited to your account. The filthy rags taken off and the righteous glorious robes of Christ clothing you. So that you will be reconciled to God. And he will declare you righteous. And adopt you into his family. And you will be secure. It's a free gift. Receive it that way. Or you'll not have it. So the sum up of all this is what I had in my main point. Trust in Christ alone. It's the only way. Trust in Christ alone and receive His righteousness as a free gift. Trust in Christ alone and rest all of your hope in Him. His perfect death. His perfect life. His perfect righteousness. Such that when you come to faith in Him, you are hidden in Him and become a trophy of grace. A trophy that has been cleansed from their sin and clothed in His righteousness and are a child of God forever. We started talking about the joy of receiving gifts. Have you received this gift? The most perfect, the most needed, the most fitted to you in your need. The free gift of the righteousness of God and of justification in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust Jesus today and know that you are right with God. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, have mercy. Lord, I pray for those who are to this day resistant to your truth. Whether they be children or teenagers or adults, whether they're listening here in the building or through the live stream or through the recording. I pray, Father, for them to be given a new heart. To be given eyes that really see, ears that really hear, a heart that really understands so that they will embrace the bad news. In and of themselves, they are condemned and lost. And through that good gospel that tells us of Christ, Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried. He was raised the third day. He is reigning and returning someday. And that salvation is a free gift to us through the means of faith and repentance which you grant to those you are saving. So bring those who don't know you to true living and lasting faith 
a faith that follows the Lord Jesus Christ and cherishes the Lord Jesus Christ, trusts the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, those of us who know you, help us to remember this good gospel every day. That it is Christ who lived the righteous life for us. That it is Christ who died to pay for the penalty of our sins. That it was Christ who was raised for our justification. It is Christ who is reigning now and it is Christ who is returning. And we are your children because of Jesus and the free gift you have given us in him. Protect us from legalism and all forms of us beginning again to depend upon ourselves and our performance. May the goodness of God to us lead us to growing and lasting repentance. May some come to faith today in Jesus Christ. Trusting in you for the first time. But Lord, I just want to praise you and thank you for your free gift of righteousness for your gift of justification in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That you have applied that redemption to your children such that we know, trust, and love you and are growing in your grace. Anchor us there in Christ, in his unimaginable love for us. Save and sanctify your people, Lord. We give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.